0: this guy, and we were talking about leadership earlier on uh, today, Seb was, and um, amongst us we've got some terrific leaders, and this is one of them. We thank you for what he does, Lord, in the overseas mission uh, space, for the trip when he took the team to Thailand, for what he's brought back, and uh, we just pray your blessing on him this morning as he preaches and shares the word with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome, church. Nice to be here. Kate did say to me, um, gee, doesn't Paul speak well? No pressure then, eh? Um, Please remind me if I do forget to tell you about the scarves. And I have got my other water bottle down here. I guess most of you actually. Am I on here, Glenn? It's coming, okay, I'll just entertain the crowd. All right. Look, most of you will know me, Um, I'm Steve Hills, I lead the missions team for St Albans here Um, and basically it's my privilege to actually be here today and actually give you guys an amazing message as to what little we do and God can make an acceleration from that and hopefully if Glenn gets me going it'll work really, really well. (laughs) <laughs> look at that. Okay. Thank you, Glenn. You are amazing. Um, I am a little snivelly, so if I do need to have a nose wipe, I'm sure you'll understand as I do that. But look, today I've described the, t- uh, the message as, did he just say what I thought he said? And I've done it really deliberately because quite often we read, we hear, and we see things that we know could relate to our lives. But you know what we say? We react and say, did he just say what I thought he said? And what we do is we instantly have this thought in our mind that it doesn't apply to us. Oh, that applies to Jerry. Oh, that applies to Alex Davies. That applies to Christine Edlin. That applies to Alison. But then we look over and Alex is asleep, so whatever got said <laughs> wasn't for him right? But we've assumed that it's for him, but we heard it, but we just say, did he just say what I thought he said? But often we actually fail to realize that God's actually speaking to us. And so I guess what I'm saying is that Matt said a couple of amazing things the other day in his sermon. He said, we hear, but we do not hear, and we see, but we do not see. So the real message that we need to say to ourselves is not, did he just say what I thought he said? It's more. Lord, I will prayerfully consider what you have just said. How can I make that real in my life? Give me the strength and the courage to make that happen. And we've had two examples today where people have said, let's start to think big. Carl said it and Seb said it. So maybe today, even though I'm talking on missions, irrespective of what you're here to do, there is something in it for you. God can make your little strength, your little effort, your little Whatever, into something amazingly big, you just have to trust. And I guess for me, the key word today is trusting God. So just briefly, NZBMS, which we now refer to as Aratahi, which effectively means focus together, started in 1885. And as I've said up there, Aratahi is all about focusing together. But what we have to think about is it's about taking God's message to the ends of the earth. I'm a Slides fellow, as you guys know. Probably you won't remember that I've used the same template a couple of times, but I really love the lights. And when I talk today, I want you to think about four things. I want you to think about that your prayers from New Zealand go overseas, so the lights represent that. It's also your encouragement when you send a text, when you send an email, when you make a phone call, when you turn up to a prayer meeting. It encourages missions. But what you've also got to remember... That, that encourages anything else as well, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's connect groups, the little things that you do make an enormous difference. So even though those lights are angling overseas, they also matter locally. The other part is our finances. We are about to contribute in three weeks' time to Renew23. Our finances will go offshore. We don't want you to break, break your bank balance. We want you to give what God wants you to give. And the fourth thing I want you to think about today is will you go on a short-term missions trip? Will you go to Thailand or parts of the world where your presence will make such a difference in the lives of the local people that they will see God as alive? So there's four things. Our prayer, our encouragement, our finances, and our willingness to go. But also when we think about trust, there are some really live examples in St Albans today. Our elders and our search team has to trust that God will find the right pastor. So we were told a couple of weeks ago that the person that we had been told about is no longer suitable for whatever reason. And we don't need to know what those reasons are. What we need to know is that our elders and our search team will trust God to find the right person. And we're in good hands. So we don't need anybody else at the moment, provided our good hands agree to stay on. And that's all I'll say. All right? We've also got the Bovies returning to New Zealand. So the Bovies have trusted God for their entire lives, but they have to now trust that God will turn them back into normal Kiwis, with normal lives, normal jobs, doing normal things. And that's a culture shock. So that's the opposite of going over to have a culture shock in another country. They're now doing it here in New Zealand. We've got Robert Norris. He's had a major heart attack. So what has God got for him? What is his prayer? God, what do I do now? So he's got to trust. He's got to trust with the entire remainder of his life. He's had a second chance. But what does that mean for him? But you know the one that really made me excited last week, and I've asked Tara if I can share this, so I'm not speaking out of tune. But you saw she came down the front. Now when she took on the role of children's pastor, it would not have involved preaching from the front. But she got down to the point of no return. And you could see that she was a little bit nervous. And that's natural. Your heart races, your breathing gets irregular. But you know what she did? She humbled herself to us and to God and said, God, take away the nerves. Please take away the nerves. Because she couldn't say, I can't do this anymore. She couldn't actually walk away. She had to trust. But you know what the exciting part was? You then saw her move into second into third and to fourth gear. As she trusted, she grew. As she trusted, she spoke. As she trusted, the message became clear. As she trusted, we listened. And trust is a big word. And that was an amazing journey of the point of no return. Missions is no different. Once you're there, you're at the point of no return. All right. I've always had a strong view that if you're going to stand up here, You have to be prepared to share how God speaks, and you have to be prepared to admit that you can change publicly, but admit that it's hard, admit that your brain gets the better of your heart, but you're on a journey like everybody else in this room. So if you looked at my Google search history, you'll find that it's dominated by American tech and Australian mining companies, all those, lots more. And I read about what should I do investing. So I'm at that age of life where I'm focusing on the next 10, 15, 20 years. So my brain is about growing what I have. Now, don't get me wrong. I use shares like you guys. I'm not putting a million bucks into the share market. I'm doing what you do, my 50 bucks, my 100 bucks, whatever, and I move things around. But I spend a lot of time looking at the share market and what can I do? What can my $100 be? in five or ten years' time. And every now and again, it is a little bit more than that. I accept that, but I'm not going crazy, okay? So that's my Google search history. So I'm focusing on money. So I do a quiet time on the 14th of June at 6.45 a.m. It's a Wednesday. I don't do them every day. You know the Bible apps? I would do them two or three times a week. Now, we're entering renew, okay? And I get this verse here, and it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure treasure, on earth. I had just spent the previous four weeks doing a whole lot of stuff, moving things all around the place and rethinking, and I had a 10, 15 year strategy. Ask Kate, she gets sick of it, it's just how my mind works. Where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So it went bang. There it was. So did he just say what I thought he said? Yeah. "For where your treasure is also will be your heart, and my heart was on treasures on earth." Now I thought my heart partly was in heaven, actually, to be fair, but that hit me like a train. And I had to say to myself, mm, okay. So then, come the following Sunday. Paul preaches, four days later, 18th of June 1105, I took the photo. and it says, Deuteronomy 8:18, 8, Moses is speaking. But remember, the Lord your God is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Because often, what we do is we think we're clever enough to make gains on earth, no matter what we do, whether it's a sporting ability, a teaching ability, whatever. We get carried away with our own self-worth, our own abilities, our own growth, the things that we have done. What an amazing person I might be. But here it tells me, and Paul told me on the 18th of June, because I took a photo, that The covenant he swore to our forefathers as it is today, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. So bang, what do I do? Did he just say what I thought he said? Well, he did. So I have to change. I have to think about that in my life. And the challenge to you is what is dominating your heart on earth? And where are your treasures being stored? So that's my little journey. So publicly, I need to do something about it. Hold me to account. Ask me the hard questions. I don't mind. As we said earlier, this is the Renew 2023 logo, and it's about God's gospel renewal to the world. And we will do a collection in three weeks' time. But I want to take you on a little journey. You might just have to bear with me because... In this one, I have a spiritual ability to walk through walls, okay? Just imagine it, all right? I am in hotel missionary, or hotel missions, okay? And I go through the front door, and I'm in a room of doubt. So there are two types of missions that we come across. There are those that we send, and there are those that are in country. This is someone that's been sent. It's about doubt. My feet are on foreign soil. I am suddenly uncertain as to why I'm here. All the planning and preparation back home has deserted me. I have immediate loss of confidence, yet I have prayed for this moment for such a long time. It is so hot here. I start to believe Satan's lies and deceptions. I can no longer do this. And I've made a terrible mistake coming here and following God's call on my life. I thought I had this, but now it seems I don't, and I hesitate I have to get out of this room and I move to the next one. But sadly, it's a room of fear. I'm now in a place I do not know. There is danger for somebody like me. I stand out from the crowd and I am being watched all the time. I fear for my safety. I have left the comforts of home and the risk of pain is real to me here. How do I protect myself from physical attack or kidnapping? I cannot hide. I need to be out there. I need to do my missions call. The spirit realm is powerful here. Am I equipped to deal with spiritual attacks? I feel very vulnerable. I am scared and I hesitate. I need to leave this room. But I move to the next one. I am in a country of many infections and diseases, many of which we do not have back home, some of which can kill. I think I am prepared, but am I really? It plays on my mind. I cannot get sick. I have a mission to complete. I need to be more more aware than ever of what can go wrong for me. I already have ailments that i brought with me. I now have more I need to be aware of. I see poverty, and with poverty comes sickness. If I get sick, how do I get help? Are there medical facilities that can help me? If I don't know the language, how can I tell people I am sick? I am scared, and I hesitate, and my nose is running. Just bear with me. Thank you, Bradley. You did well. I need to leave this room. But I move into a room of isolation. I feel very alone. I'm missing home terribly. I'm anxious about everything. I need my church and my friends around me, helping me and encouraging me. Why do I feel like this, God? Why, what have I done wrong? I just want to go home. I can't do this anymore. Everywhere I go, I feel different. I'm an outsider and I feel uncertain. God, you seem so far away right now. I am starting not to believe the call on my life. I'm questioning everything you have said to me. Why, God, have you forsaken me? I hesitate. I need to leave this room. But I move into a room of isolation. I feel very alone. I am missing home terribly. I am anxious about everything. I've done that one, haven't I? I move into a language one. I'm incredibly frustrated. Learning a new language is incredibly hard. The locals speak so fast. Their dialect is not what I have been learning. The local people change words and meaning. Language is proving a barrier to my progress. This is compounding my frustration, isolation, and I feel alone. I hesitate. I need to leave this room. But the culture shock that I was expecting is greater than I can cope with. Lord, I'm an outsider. The local people are unforgiving for people who make mistakes. I am making mistakes. Will I ever understand this culture? Will I ever understand these people? I am scared and I hesitate. So I reach a point where I shut my eyes and I raise my arms and I say, God, hear my cry. I need to trust you. I want to trust you. Help me to trust. And I open my eyes. And I realize I've just broken a barrier. And God's room is one room. And in that room is the following. There is love. It is protection and it is undeniable. Satan's lies are defeated and I do not hesitate. In this room I find love. It is warm, it is tender, it attaches to me, it protects me and I do not hesitate. There is strength, I put on God's armor. It is strong, it is robust, it is sound. It will protect me from the the devil. I do not hesitate. I have prayer. Prayer binds me to God. I experience his love, his joy, his kindness. Prayer protects me, and I do not hesitate. Also, I have the Holy Spirit walking alongside me and within me, encouraging me, protecting me, strengthening me, talking to me. I do not hesitate. I have my church family, I have finances, I have messages, I have texts, I have emails, I have phone calls, and I have Zoom calls. I am encouraged, and I do not hesitate. I raise my arms, and I close my eyes again, and I say, Lord, thank you that you've taught me to trust. Thank you that I can defeat doubt. I can defeat isolation. I can defeat culture shock. I can defeat language. I can defeat all those things. I can defeat sickness, But Lord, I have to trust you first, so thank you. So that leads me on to the next slide, and I've used this one before. If we trust God, we can do anything. We've heard two people say today, think big. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, most of us go to our graves with the music inside us unplayed. Regardless of what you are here for and regardless of what you are doing, it doesn't have to be a missions focus, Do not go to your grave with the music unplayed. As I've just described, as a missionary, you go through lots of challenge. The devil's lies and deception will steer you off course, but you must focus on what is trust. So I encourage you today, do not let the music go unplayed. Step outside of your comfort zone today and do what you need to do. Go and talk to someone. Get on your knees and pray. But do not say, did he just say what I thought he said? Because that is the wrong thing to think. Think prayerfully. Encourage yourself. Go and seek some guidance. Okay, I want to go on and give you some stats about the Great Commission. So in October 2017, a 1,004 adult churchgoers were asked, and a churchgoer is a person who identified as attending a regular church service in the previous six months. It was done in the US and it was in regards to had they heard of the Great Commission? So I guess I'm going to ask you the same question right now. Have you heard of the Great Commission and do you know the Great Commission? And I'd like to think based on being in St Albans, you've heard of it. So this is what they said. 51%, so a churchgoer, was a person, so it could be a boomer, a millennial, a Gen X, a Gen Y, all those sort of people, 51.5% said they had not heard of the Great Commission. 253 said yes, but I can't recall the exact meaning, and only 17.2% of 1,004 US adults knew what it was. Surprising, because I guess we preached it a lot. So then the next part was, can they identify verses in the Great Commission, and before I go to it, I'm going to read them out, and in your own mind, I want you to decide, because one of the options is none of these verses are from the Great Commission, I want you to pick which one is, but the first option I'm going to give you is, I'm not sure if any of these passages are from the Great Commission, Matthew 28, all right, so the first one is this, and I might give you none, all right, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So that's number one. So decide whether that's in the Great Commission. Number two is, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Number two. Number three, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and give back to God what is God's. Number four, love the Lord your God with all your heart With all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it love your neighbour as yourself. And the last one, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So, in your own mind, decide whether none of those are the Great Commission or whether one to five is. But here's what we had. So 37% of the 1,004 got it right, that it is the last one I read out, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. 16% thought the second one, which came from Matthew 22, 37 to 40. 8%, and believe it or not, we even had some, 33% said, none of those passages come from the Great Commission. Interesting. I just leave that to stimulate the mind. As I get my pages back in order. Okay, so then we come down to the final slide. And basically, if you try to add up the percentages, it won't work. But basically, we had millennials, Gen X, boomers and elders. And effectively, they were asked those questions. So a yes can be more than one answer. But I guess it's interesting. I'm not going to make any comments to it. But large numbers had heard of it and remember it, but can't recall it but can correctly identify it or just don't know it at all. So what does that say? It says to me that it's a good idea to maybe focus on what the Great Commission actually is. And I'm sorry it's a verse you've heard a lot in St Albans, but you're going to hear it again today. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus was shortly to ascend to heaven, to take up his rightful place at the right hand of God. So the last words to the disciples were going to be critical, encouraging, and important But the commission is based on who Jesus is. And it's perhaps the greatest Christological statement in the whole of the New Testament. Because Jesus has been given all authority. It's not a little bit. It's not a part. It's not a jigsaw piece. It's not a bit now and a bit later. But all authority has been given unto him. A claim to deity permits no middle ground. Considering this verse, we can't decide that Jesus is a teacher, a miracle worker... He's all of those things, but he's actually the supreme authority on heaven and earth. And as C.S. Lewis once stated, to make the claim that Jesus did, he is either a liar, a lunatic, or he's Lord of all. But there's no alternative. He's either deliberately dishonest, deluded, or he's divine. When Jesus says all authority in heaven has been given and earth has been given to him, that means absolutely that he can execute divine power on heaven and earth. The proof of his claim, because I know some of you need proof, including me, is in his life. He was betrayed, he was arrested, he was tried, he was convicted, and he was beaten, and he was crucified. But he rose from the dead, and he told the disciples, all authority on heaven and earth has been given unto me. It's a claim that we cannot water down. It's a claim that we have to take seriously. The critical part is, The first response to the Great Commission is to understand that Jesus had the authority. Once we understand the authority, we can read the rest of the verse. And the second part is we're told to go. We've got to go. It may be across the street, it may be down the road, it may be at school, maybe at work, it may be to the ends of the earth. But we are asked to do dynamic outward movement. Of course the disciples wanted to stay, because staying is comfortable. But Jesus wasn't going to be there shortly. He was going to heaven, so he had to give them something to do. And he told them he had to go. But the amazing thing is, when they worshipped him, but some doubted. So the reality of that verse is telling us that even the disciples doubted like we doubt. And it's recorded, the inclusion rings true about all the things we knew about the disciples, but all the things we know about ourselves. We are committed Christians, we are committed to what we do, but we doubt. But what you've got to notice about the verse, it doesn't say, but I'll send those of you who don't doubt, I'll send those of you who doubt now but maybe not later. No, he sends them all, which means he sends all of us. So the reality is, we're all doubting, worshipping Christians, but what God says to us, I'm going to send you, and as you go, you can work out those doubts. You can work with me, and I will help you. Let's convert your head into your heart, from your heart. So fat, fundamentally, the command is to go, but it's also consistent with three Old Testament leaders, and if Bradley, if you could just silence me for 30 seconds, that would be great, as I have a thank you. That's good, I'm back. Um, But it also, let's look at three Old Testament leaders to see what they did. And the first one is Abraham. And the key verse is Genesis 12, 1 to 2. Go from your country and your relatives and your father's house to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you are a blessing and I will bless you. So Abraham, the Bible tells us, was a God-fearing man of great faith. But God chose Abraham to build a great nation of Israel, and his name would be etched in history. And from Abraham's family tree, Jesus Christ would be born to save humanity. But God chose Abraham from the godless city of Ur, but he called him to a fertile region of Canaan. But by Canaan, he went to Haran. He was 75 years old. He took Sarah, and he took his nephew, Lot. And God's promise was conditional Upon Abraham's obedience and faithfulness. So, when Abraham went to Canaan via Haran, there was a famine. Now, Abraham didn't stop and say, I'm going to have a hissy fit over this God because you promised me the promised land. No, he went to Egypt. But what God, Abraham, did do, he followed in faith. But Abraham was a wealthy livestock owner, livestock was a tradable commodity. It was also what he fed his family. When the famine hit the land, God had promised, God trust, Abraham trusted that God would deliver. So the key message is, Abraham had to accept, as I've said before, that the authority is given to God on heaven and earth. And from the rest of it, he can then go and make disciples of all nations, and that's what he did. So then we go to Jeremiah. By the standards of modern-day success, Jeremiah was an absolute failure. He was poor. He underwent severe deprivation to deliver prophecy. His audiences were antagonistic. He was often ignored by his family and friends. His life was often threatened. He was thrown into prison and rejected by all. His message to the Judah was simple, repent and come back to God. But in God's eyes, Jeremiah was the most successful person or one of the most successful people in all of history because success by God is not measured by success on earth. Success by God is obedience and faithfulness regardless of the opposition and personal cost. He was a prophet who faithfully endured. His faith and courage proclaimed the word of God. He confronted many people about their sin, kings, false prophets, those at the temples, and those at the city gates. Often a lack of response would leave Jeremiah frustrated, angry, and actually wondering, why am I doing this? But he was also bitter, because his gloomy message to deliver was a really hard task. But he stood firm. He knew that God had a promise. And he let, did not let his own feelings of anger and despair get in the way of the hope for people that he was there to talk to. Then we move to Moses and Exodus. So we know the story of Moses. God chose Moses, yet he questioned the initial commandment to go. If anybody in history uttered the phrase, did he say what I think he said? It was Moses. We know the story of Moses. He was put in a basket. He was floated down the Nile and Pharaoh's daughter saw him. But Moses' mother was rewarded for her courage because she got to nurse the Hebrew child. Moses grew up, but eventually, as you know the story, he killed an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew slave, so he fled. But God was aware that the Israelites were in slavery in Egypt, and they needed to get out, so he chose doubting Moses. And you know the story, he spoke to Moses from the burning bush, and he instructed Moses to go and see the Pharaoh and bring the people out of Egypt. But what did Moses say? He said, "'Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh to bring the people out of Egypt?' God replied that I will be with you and I will not forsake you. But then Moses questioned, well, who do I tell the people, the Israelites, who sent me? And, and Jesus or God said, you tell them, I am who I am. So doubting Moses. So if any of you are sitting here suggesting I can't do something, I've just given you three examples of Jeremiah, Abraham, and Moses who were given a call in their life to do something. Not a big thing. It could have been a very small thing. They all questioned. They all doubted. But our Bible is full of the fact that Jesus will not forsake us. So once we understand that God has all authority over heaven and earth, we can move to the rest of the verse where it talks about, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Now what is discipleship? Discipleship doesn't need a rocket science degree. It doesn't need you to be a pastor. Discipleship is actually one-on-one conversation, one-on-one understanding, one-on-one prayer. So what this verse encourages us to do is to accept the fact that the little skills that we have can be exonerated into great things in in his name. There's also examples in the Bible of Micah, Jonah, and Paul where they all had doubts, they all had concerns, but they knew they had to go and they understood the authority and they also obeyed God's commandments. So they didn't let personal costs get in the way. Now I'm not saying to you all, let's become Jeremiah and let's go into poverty and deprivation for the honouring of God's will. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm saying take what you have and it will turn into tenfold thousand. So I guess my summary comment there is Abraham, Moses and Jeremiah didn't say, did he just say what I thought? He said no. They knew and they trusted. Yes, Moses doubted himself, just forgot that God would be with him. And we need to do the same thing. So I could put every one of your names on that screen and say, no, just know and just trust, because we know, and we know what we know. So what are the key words? We've talked about authority, we've talked about go, but I guess it's about disciples, it's about baptising them in the name of the Father and teach them to obey. But I just wanted to focus briefly on the last line, that I am with you always to the very end of the age. So I gave you the example of what a mission on, out in the, in the world feels like. And I told you what God says. Love, spirit, prayer, family, etc. And God will never, ever leave us. So we have to realize that, that we will not be forsaken. That once you commit, God will never leave you. But then, I know you need more convincing. <laughs> so then it says at the end of each gospel, it tells us, that we're to go into all the world. So this is the last verse in Mark, Mark 16:15 to 16. He said to them, "Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned." So it says, "Go into all the world." And as I said before, that's across the road, down the street, into school, into work, or to the ends of the earth. And it's preached the gospel. That doesn't mean you have to understand the gospel. That means you have to have God in your heart. You have to lead people and actually be there for them. It's not about converting, it's about encouraging, it's about being supportive. Take people on a journey. Because when they identify that you've got something different to them, they want a piece of that. And they understand what God can do. So then we go into Luke, because you need more convincing. So Luke 24 44 to 49 in yellow. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things and I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. And more proof. So then we have John and then we have Acts. And again, Jesus said, Please be with you, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And the second one, Acts 1 4 to 8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So I guess, look, I've got to apologize that it's not rocket science. I could probably finish here. Um, it's pretty simple. We've we'll been told to go, don't overthink the go. So what is the Aratahi Challenge to St. Albans? That means I've gone 35 minutes. All right, that's longer than I thought. Okay, let's move on quickly. The Aratahi Challenge to St. Albans Baptist is, where is God directing you as a church? So we have been focusing on finding our people and place. So you're going to say to me, well, Steve, every time you get up here, you say, oh, upon this and upon that, and the elders this and the elders that. Well, let me give you a simple summary. The elders have not said no to anything. No one has said no to anything. The bovis have come back and they have got their new lives. But PON has not found the people. So until the people are found and we know what the outcomes look like, the elders have nothing to give a green light to. But the green lights that we need so far are there. So yes, I'm coming to you every week saying da-da-da. Well, it's a slow process. And what did I say right at the start? I've got to trust God. Absolutely trust God. So let me lead on to a story. So as you guys know, while we were in Thailand, Pond would like to build a church. So part of my process was to say to Pond, well, I'm not sure that's a focus at the moment because where you are is, I think, 3,000 baht a month. It's not much. So you add that up over what it would cost to buy land and build a church versus what she's paying. She's got plenty of time to stay where she is. But in saying that... Hon is a crazy faithful woman of God. So she goes out looking for land. And so long story short, she has paid a deposit on a block of land. It's a rye, which is one acre. It's a million baht, which is $45,000. And she's paid a deposit of 120,000 baht. She had 10 believers give 60,000 baht in a special offering. So, when I heard this, um, I was surprised. I was a little frustrated. I thought we had a plan. So, I'm pacing the floor, not sure how to react because we're looking for people. I've told the church about the people we're looking for. And this crazy, faithful, obedient, amazing woman of God has gone out and found some land. How do I react? what does it mean, you know, so then I keep walking and I'm, I think it's the wrong thing to do, it's the wrong thing to do investment wise and then bang, I kind of hit this wall and it says on this wall, imagine a brick wall, okay, and it says on this wall, I've got this, okay, what does that mean, I walk around the wall, I ignore that one, and I'm still thinking, you know, I've, I'm, I'm running this. I've, I'm controlling this. You know, I've told her what not to do, and you know, it's the wrong thing to do. Because when are we I going to say to St. Norman? Bang! I had another wall, and it says, "Steve, if I need you in the big picture, I'll ask you." <laughs> You're not in control. Trust me. Trust me. And that's what he said. So, Pond's put a deposit on a block of land. It's not our project. Our project's people. Our project's resource. I'm not controlling. I'm not God. I'm not in charge. I can't tell God what to tell her. I thought I could, but I can't. So, I have to worry about what God has given us. Pretty amazing, eh? Just trust. Just trust. If you want to go on a short-term missions trip, which I hope you do, they are the things you can do. You can encourage her. Go and see this bit of land she's got a deposit on. So she's got three months to pay for it. She's got to find another 840,000 baht. It's going to be an amazing faith journey for her. That's not our project. So you can go and see the land, if she owns it by then. You can go to see primary schools, go see the deputy mayor with me. Got to go and see him again, go and play a game of woodball, Meet the WSEC community and see the amazing things they do in Bangkok. You know, the, all you need, you need nothing really. Just need a heart. Just need a desire. Just have some questions, and go and find out for yourself. You've seen this slide many times. Yep, Ben, come up, that reminds me. Oh, yeah, yeah, Scarp, yeah, I'll come to that. Okay, so we're going back, all right? Sometime in 2024. Register an interest. If we've got 200 people who want to go, who cares? We'll figure it out. Dates can be moved, cost managed. I can get your travel insurance, so don't use that as an excuse. Just come along and have a listen. But don't leave this auditorium and say to me, did he just say what I thought he said? Because I did. 3rd of August, at our place... Come and have a conversation. Just come along anyway. But let me finish on this. No matter what you are here today for, no matter where God is calling you to be, missions is just one component. If it's children's ministry, if it's worship, if it's discipleship, if it's connect groups, if it's to be a pastor, it's to be whatever, then Oliver Wendell Holmes is telling you don't let the music inside you Go to your grave without it being played. And that's what I want to encourage you to do today. Pon will still be running, doing her thing in Thailand, irrespective of St Albans, because God's in control. This land will be whatever God wants it to be. So that's my encouragement to you. Thank you that Renew23 is so important. Thank you that you are an amazingly generous church. And we will break records come 30 July. I know that because you are incredible. And God wants this church to be involved in a journey. But at the end of the day, it's what God says to you to give. But don't let the music inside you go unplayed. If you want prayer, no, no big prayer thing today, no writing notes down the corner. That was a great idea, by the way, Tara. I'm not belittling it at all. But today, if you want to pray about your music, come down the front and we'll pray for you. If you don't, pray in your seat. Get on your knees in your seat. Get on your knees in your heart. Let your heart take over your head like what I have to do. God says to me, fill it with me, not with tech companies in the US and mining companies in Australia. That's my challenge. What's yours? Thanks, guys. Thanks, band. Oh, scarf, scarf. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So I, I have three of these, and they were knitted by Kathy Malone a year ago. I don't think she's here today. They are awesome scarves, so she wants these to be sold to the highest bidder to raise money for Renew 23. If you offered 10, 15 bucks for a beautiful scar, I've got them here, there's three of them, similar colours, it would warm her heart, it would encourage her to do it again, and I promised her that I would get her best price. Okay? <laughs> so three scars. if you want one, come and see me, I'll do you a deal, but it'd be amazing to put that money towards Renew 23. And if you get it out of me for five bucks, I'll tell her i sold it to you're 15. All right. Hey, thanks team, enjoy. Thanks, <laughs> Why don't you stand with us, please? Thanks, Steve.